when Kermit and Fozzie pick up Gonzo, uh-huh. he says that they're going to laugh at his dream, and then he tells them his dream, and his dream is to... He's going to go get Richard Feynman. He's going to go uh, basically start in the movies by moving to Bombay, India. <laughs> and they really laugh at him for it. But he, I think he really predicted the rise of Bollywood. I think he did. I mean, it had to have been somewhat around, right? No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> I don't think so. I think he, I think he was really uh, realizing that India would be a big market in the future. I think that if that's true, that opens the possibility that someone in India saw this movie. Yeah. And was inspired like a Back to the Future guy running for mayor <laughs> like situation. Chuck, Chuck Berry. <laughs> yeah, or Chuck Berry situation where somebody it's in It's your India cousin, saw... <laughs> Marvin Berry. <laughs> but with the founder of Bollywood. Yeah, it's your cousin, so in... Marvin Bolly. <laughs> yeah. it we're officially in season two yes that's what we're calling it we're calling it season two welcome we had to to prepare for season two (laughs) if anyone doubts our dedication to continuing we have new sound gear for those who have recorded with us before improved setup i'm lounging while podcasting right now the only reason ty actually wanted to upgrade the gear (laughs) so you didn't have to sit in a chair anymore Yep. yep season two we're treating ourselves to start it off. That's right. We're going back to the basics. We're just going to do a few that are Stone Cold classics that we never ended up getting to uh-huh. and stuff that we feel like we could probably talk forever about. We need a canon for the listeners of things that we're going to reference, starting with... That's right. We can light the canon and then blast them with all of our movie <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. You mean the other, other kind of canon? Yes, yes. Yeah, we're right. We do need <laughs> we need an official so much movies canon. But yes, the first movie uh, we're starting it off with the Muppet movie because it's incredible. It it is really good. I do want to talk about that because it felt a lot different this time around, yeah. and I want to acknowledge that I was the one that made us watch it. <laughs> yeah, you were you were all and, for it, but yeah. I definitely was like, all right, we're starting with this, and we've danced around more muppet content before oh definitely we haven't really done a muppet episode not a full one for better or for worse probably everyone else is just you're glad that (laughs) they've made it up to this point without it but (laughs) deal with it yeah just deal with it do you want to just get into it yeah i don't know honestly just starting off at what's the worldwide studios yeah worldwide studios the whole thing is framed as like a movie that the muppets are watching yeah that they made yep about what about how they got here yeah and robin asks kermit like is this actually what happened and he's like yeah kind of <laughs> i really like the opening because it's really good for setting the tone yeah especially because the next thing after that is like kermit singing by himself mm-hmm. very like heartfelt that by itself would not accurately i don't think set the tone for the movie it's kind of one about the filmmakers themselves yeah like it's about how their whole team of muppet performers Mm -hmm. is kind of like this big family and how they 
kind of appreciate and make fun of each other. Yeah, that's true. It, it really is about how I'm sure all of them found each other through. They all had the same passion. Yeah, I mean, for the Muppets, it's you know, the like we're gonna make it in passion. Hollywood. And for these guys, it was like, yes, we like puppets enough that we are going to make it like a thing. Yeah. And that's why I think even like the opening of them being in this uh, private showing for presumably everyone that worked on the movie. Yeah. And then being portrayed as rowdy weirdos. <laughs> is Oh, they're destroying that theater. Yeah. And absolutely destroying each other. Yeah, that's like, true. In terms of like... like there are explosions happening. There are flying fish. Yeah. Well, I, and I just mean of like oh, metaphorically. Like, yes, also that. <laughs> like it's basically. I like just meant literally. Point. There's a guy whose job it is to blow things up, and yeah. he's at the screen. <laughs> An actual dynamite. Yes. <laughs> also, I like that it shows us that are Statler and Waldorf not part of this? Like, yeah, they presumably like they didn't show up in a the movie. They show up in a car, like mm-hmm. a private car. Are we to assume that they're independently wealthy? Yeah, I mean, I think they were. They must be like the financiers of the movie or something because they're not in it apart from this framing device. Sure, so, I was. Well, I mean, I was gonna say we know how they were. How the this movie was financed, and it was because oh, they yeah. signed the rich and famous contract. Yeah, that's true. They walked into, into uh, <laughs> Orson Welles' Orson Welles' office. office and just demanded it, and he just looked at them and said, <laughs> "Bring in the contract." Yeah. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. They actually do... Yeah, they set up the movie as something that they're making. Yeah. And they go right into Rainbow Connection. <laughs> yeah. Which is obviously popular. That's that's like Paul Williams's signature song. Yeah. And, and it's very much, I think, fits with the thing I was talking about, about how... About it being a, a bunch of friends. Yeah. Getting their dream together. Right. You know? The whole thing is about the dream. Yeah. They, they kind of talk about the, the dream... Like it's the force a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I was noticing like they're like the dream is alive. The dream it has is real. Power. Yeah, it has it has power. <laughs> it's really like weirdly mystical. Yeah, that's because they believed in me. No, they believed in the dream. Well, so do I. But you do? Yeah, of course I do. Who's the cameo in the swamp again? Oh, oh it's uh, Dom DeLuise. Yes. That's okay. So I want to just jump ahead on this a little bit. The cameos in this movie are incredible, mm-hmm. and it's really like a who's who of like who was popular in the late seventies. Who was like a popular comedian? Yeah. I mean, there's Mel Brooks, Steve Martin, Richard Pryor is in there briefly. Yeah. Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn. Who was the secretary again? Oh, you said her name too. Yeah. Shoot. But then Carol Kane is is in there briefly. Yeah, for just like a second. Man, unbelievable. Oh, of course, Leachman. Of course, that's Leachman, who it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, seriously incredible cast. And they just show up for, like, a line or two apiece. Yeah, they... It's weird because, I don't know, like, that concept of having a bunch of cameos mm-hmm. that are kind of attention-grabbing and yeah. could could be bad, like, it's, jarring. Hey, that's, hey it's hey, that guy. Hey, it's that guy. Yeah. yeah, like, that would suck. I think it's funny that they're all mostly willing to take an incredible backseat to anything that's happening yeah i mean that's Number what one that's being, what you sign on for yeah with that's the what you sign on for I, I don't know if it could be exactly described that way but the one of the best ones is steve martin because he yeah. plays so deadpan and He's, like yeah <laughs> just the world's most sarcastic waiter yeah or actually richard Pryor too where he's basically just like having a conversation like a normal person like yeah a lot of them aren't really doing anything that wacky he's just selling a balloon yeah 
but he's tricking this <laughs> tricking Gonzo into buying all of the balloons. Yeah. I should say the ultimate is obviously, as we referenced earlier, Orson Welles. Yes. Who just gives them a stare. He has like one line in this whole movie. <laughs> Incredible like pull. One of the most famous filmmakers ever. Yeah. <laughs> How do you convince him to do this movie? I, I don't he understand. just love the Muppets. That's got to yes, that's got to be it. I could see him loving the Muppets, especially at this time, like in the seventies, when he's kind of past his prime. When he's recording the commercial for that wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, the French. One oh two, take two. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson. Because I see the Muppets as being very much um, not like a celebration of like an old school thing, but I think a very like knowing recognition that like we're kind of old school, not really cool anymore. Yeah. Do you think that's part of it? I mean, for the Muppets, like as an entire ethos, um, it's really because their whole thing is... The stuff that they're like that makes them work is the stuff that's not. It wasn't even hip then, and we've we maybe talked about this a little bit before. But like, w- they're doing like Catskills style yeah. humor, yeah, and even ragtime, yeah, and yeah. and and like even Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem are behind the times. Like well, they're like late sixties, yeah. Well, and I think, well, first, I mean. The Muppets were invented in the late sixties, right? So I mean, that yeah, but sense, I mean, but, but I mean, like the the whole like like they're past their prime by the time anybody has seen well, them ever. Yeah. Right? I, I I just think like even their wish of what they want. Yeah, I just think the the Muppets, the main Muppets like Kermit, Fozzie, yeah. Miss Piggy, they have a very like a throwback, you know, cat, like you said, Catskills ragtime kind of thing, vaudeville almost. Yeah, vaudeville, very vaudeville. And then how I think the fact that Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem are in there. Yeah. I think to me almost is the creators of the Muppets recognizing that they're not trying to make it like a I wish it was the good old days yeah. when people appreciated this kind of stuff. Oh, for sure. It's more them rec- like seeing where we're at mm-hmm. and we're kind of not cool in the way that some of these other people are cool. I kind of think Electric Teeth or Electric Mayhem kind of exists on a different plane from the rest of the Muppets. Uh, they kind of which do, is why they? I think in this movie specifically, they literally exist on a different plane in the f- sense that they have the script they, for the movie. Yeah, totally. They basically just swoop in and solve problems in a way that's almost cheating. Except you know? it's not because it's the electric mayhem. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're yeah. like better than everybody else. Right. Yeah, well, and, and to be fair... Or at in, least cooler. In the Muppet ethos of essentially like... All of them are failures. Yeah, the electric mayhem aren't failures, really. They do it. They're doing exactly what they want to do. Yeah, and, and that's what. Yeah, and and they do. They do also say, "All right, we're going to Hollywood." And Doctor Teeth says, "Sounds great. Maybe when you get famous, we'll come over there and exploit you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that yeah. is good. That's great. I, that's maybe really funny. I know we've joked that like Rolf is like kind of Muppet Jesus because yeah. he's the successful one, but really, I think uh, Doctor Teeth is pulling all the strings. Yeah. I he's, think so too. He's kind of the Svengali. Who's, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, which he's really the only one that could pull the strings because he has articulating he's, hands. He has articulating <laughs> hands. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, I I think I thought there were a lot of 
interesting things about that in this movie specifically yeah that already kind of fit with what i already think about the muppets sure because it's not like, like this is almost flattering for orson wells that that someone who that not only that they want him in the movie but that they want him in the movie because he is a representation of this age of movies that they are idolizing that oh yeah almost that they like respect you know and in a way that you as orson wells mm-hmm. could could involve yourself or like kind of bring that onto yourself that you are also you're recognizing that you used to be you know the hot thing and now you're not and you're not like bitter about it sure you think that like yeah that's fine yep you know or even just that it's kind of funny or fun to do like a throwback thing to have a bear and a frog do a old-timey dance number yeah yeah in a way that's kind of corny do you think orson welles watched this movie Ooh, that's a good question i don't think orson welles watched even the things that he made at this time yeah i don't think he i don't think he watched this i don't think he did either i could see him liking to watch the muppet show maybe on tv maybe like if someone like happened to show it to him oh sure yeah but i i don't think yeah <laughs> i don't think that's quite his jam no. we did find out that princess anne <laughs> yeah. uh daughter of queen elizabeth ii mm-hmm. was at the premiere it's pretty great in london i think this was a london production yeah yeah i think pretty much everything because the, the show Muppets. the show was in was yeah. shot in london yeah as well so yeah that's uh <laughs> that actually gives me a whole other thing to think about of like all the stars that like basically had to go over i'm sure they shot some stuff in america too i bet they went to hollywood to shoot most of the yeah, cameos yeah. at least but like it's weird to think that like if you wanted to be have a cameo on the muppet show you had to fly to london to yeah get a cameo on the muppet show it was basically like their saturday night live where saturday yeah. night live where you would go there for like a week i assume yeah yeah you there know, you go. do your episode it worked yep rita moreno got her emmy from from the muppet incredible. show incredible which got her that you got. That yeah. was her last one, too. Yeah. Um, uh, was this kind of the first thing where they did the Muppets not behind a stage? Yeah, I guess. I mean, what, they had, what do you mean by that? Like Putting them in, like, real locations. Yeah, it was, like, a big deal. Like outside. There was a big thing about, you know, the opening shot with, the, with Kermit on the log. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Henson is under there in, yep. a, in like, a little tank, uh, breathing through a tube. Mm-hmm. And he was down there for like twelve hours of shooting a day or whatever, like something something Ooh. insane. That's like on a set though, right? That they made. I don't know. Oh, it could. I don't think it was. I in mean, a real swamp. I, <laughs> I guess I wouldn't put anything past them. I don't know. But at like, the very least, there's a lot of this movie that literally takes place outside. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and you can like see all the Muppets. Yeah, and and also uh, apparently Frank Oz was shoved into the like the front part of the car there. Oh, <laughs> like whenever Fozzie was driving. Yeah. They had to like really cram him in there. Wow. Yeah, kind of crazy. Um, I was gonna say about kind of the production of the movie. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was funny way t- at the beginning. Yeah. So they have the opening of uh, Kermit, and then talking to Tom DeLuise. Yep. And then he goes on his little bike ride. Oh, which is that's of right. course some Muppet magic. Yeah, that's like the big thing. They were just like, oh, crap. we got <laughs> him to ride <laughs> we a got bicycle. Him to ride a bike. Um, and then the next thing is like him meeting Fozzie and yeah. doing that whole thing. Yep. And. First of all, Fozzie's failed stand-up is incredible. I was—I actually wrote down specifically, <laughs> watching Fozzie fail is funnier than watching him succeed. Absolutely. It's so good. I mean, and he's so desperate. Yeah. And <laughs> I think he literally says, I'm trying my best. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, does look, he says, this is my third time. I'm a professional. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh, he's... 
Throwing out the waka waka is like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. Waka 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 waka. Hey, you're a great crowd. Thank you. Thank you and thank you. Hey, waka waka. Ah, waka waka waka. He takes off a f- uh, fake glasses and then another fake pair of fake glasses is underneath. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just the most desperate performer of all time. Yeah. It is good. It is awesome to have a character who wants to do comedy so bad and is so bad at it unless they're not trying. Yeah. Which I think is an incredible teasing of artists in general. Yeah. Like definitely. at least comedians. Oh, for sure. And like actors and stuff. Yeah. But my favorite part of that whole bit was when they start doing the dance on stage. <laughs> yeah. Because could come across as like a muppet tech demo yeah it's like the first time you're seeing like full body muppets doing these dances i assume absolutely but it doesn't because everybody hates it like the audience is just booing them relentlessly (laughs) and so like i just think that's great because nobody wants to see a tech demo in a movie yeah for that sure sucks. i hate that <laughs> and they basically just avoided it entirely yeah <laughs> or at least avoiding me not liking it <laughs> by having the audience within the movie absolutely despising this dance that they do yeah it's they really get and then uh one of the best parts this actually reminds me of a, a tweet uh, that i saw which mm-hmm. someone is from the great muppet caper uh the shot that they show but it's basically the same thing it was someone's job to just chuck the muppets and i bet that was the best <laughs> job ever <laughs> yeah because like there's a lot of a lot of parts in this movie where it's like all right there's no way we can shoot this and like move their mouth and so yeah. <laughs> like when they're getting thrown out of the bar it's just them like literally carrying just like a clearly a rag doll yeah. like and just, just tossing just the kermit the doll yeah it's fantastic top top muppets to chuck Fozzie. <laughs> yeah, number one. Number Fozzie. one Fozzie. He's just got some I weight mean, to him. Gonzo, really good too. Yeah. He he has the best. You get good sounds and he stuff. He has like also that. really good dangling limbs, yes, I think. Yes, for sure. Like spaghetti noodles. Yep. Oh, actually, I want to, before we go on here, the part where Dom DeLuise tells Kermit that he needs to go to Hollywood, it's incredible that he has a paper, and in that paper, there's a thing that says, looking like, like, talent search for frogs. Yeah. <laughs> your eyes on that uh worldwide studios announces open auditions for frogs wishing to become rich and famous implying that there's this world where there are so many frogs out there mm-hmm. sounds, one of them's got to be talented gosh darn it or why don't more, we just get him in there we got to find him or more importantly that there's so many roles for frogs yeah totally that, like <laughs> they're desperate for frogs so many frog movies that we need to just it's almost like a uh, grapes of wrath situation where it's <laughs> like we got all these frogs but they're unionized we need to bring in some scab frogs from the country <laughs> yeah i get one of these dumb <laughs> florida frogs yeah from the swamp <laughs> bring them in we need to drive wages down that honestly is as good of an explanation as anything i can think of for why there would be that in a newspaper absolutely <laughs> yeah. yes yep. um but yeah the bar has cameos by madeline khan and the guy from magnificent seven. Oh yeah 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 like He's, the toughest guy yeah the tough the the owner of the bar who's mm-hmm. yeah it's it's great so then they do like the moving right along song which is great i love that song such a good road song uh moving right along is great because the song is basically all about being free on the road well like it being all about the journey 
figuring it all out yeah as being people who are at the beginning of this like dream or whatever yeah right and they're like they're making mistakes along the way but it's fine because like that's kind of the fun part oh sure yeah you know just like enjoying each other's presence while you're figuring it out yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah that's kind of the fun part yeah that is well, Very well, heartfelt for the theme of the movie. Absolutely, yes. And I want to get to one, but we, I want to bring up this next song before we get into the song thing of this. Yeah, they get to the church and they meet the electric yes. mayhem, and uh, it's a great sequence. One just because it's like a cool old church that these guys mm-hmm. are clearly just like annihilating. With this was sound. my favorite scene when I was a kid. Yes, totally. They're they're like painting. They're turning it into a an organic coffee house. Yeah, which I did not. I wouldn't have guessed that the, that concept existed in 1973. Yeah, they really just wanted to play the music. It's very San Francisco. Yeah. Then they they give them the script yep. to catch them up. Yep. But they read it out loud. It's almost like there's no point in them giving them the script because yeah. the, 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 the audience will be bored. Yeah. But <laughs> Dr. Teeth still reads the script out loud. Yeah. Kermit and Fozzie fall asleep, so they decide they're going to help them with uh, like some harebrained idea. Mm-hmm. And their harebrained idea is to do a musical montage where they sing the song, Can You Picture That? And they re- disguise the car. And they paint the car. Um, Psychedelic colors. Yes. Uh, but this, you, we actually like turn to each other at the same time. And basically, mm-hmm. like, what is the point of this song? Yeah. There are a lot of the other songs. I mean, like I said with the last one moving right along, I felt like I could see how this song would fit in the theme of the movie. Yeah. Can you picture that? I literally couldn't even understand what they were saying most of the time and the little bits that i could understand i had no idea what they were going on about let me take your picture add it to the mixer there it is i got you now really nothing to it anyone can do it it's easy and we all know how now begins a changing mental rearranging nothing's really where it's at daddy apple is holding up a flower i gave her to a texas cat yeah, so I actually read a thing about this. Jim Henson went to Paul Williams and he was like, hey, I want you to write some songs for this movie. Uh-huh. And he's like, when do you want me to play the demos? And he's like, oh, just like in the studio when we're ready to record. Yeah. That's it. He didn't give him any. He just said like, all right, just bring them to us. We'll record the songs and then we'll put them in the movie. Oh, he didn't even give him a script or... I mean, I'm sure he knew like the basic gist of the story. Yeah. But like... And he probably came up with more songs than what are in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And there's and like they, extended They stuff worked the with songs. it going forward. Yeah. But like seriously, like I think that's why some of these are so scattershot. Yeah. The song might not have a... I mean... Like they just needed a... Like I hope that something better comes along. They just needed to like... To put that somewhere, and so yeah. they brought Ren Rolf the dog, yeah, and they yeah. were like, "Ah, this would be something a dog would play yeah. on a piano, or like a bar, a bartender." Yeah, you know, exactly. Possibly. But yes. I think "Can You Picture That" is perfect. First of all, the song itself rules. Yeah, it's I really listen, good. They, I would listen to "Can You Picture That." I would listen to the Electric Mayhem like on a regular oh, like, basis. Yeah. they're cool. And like, I think the even the 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 lyrical content of the song. Even if it isn't literally understood, it works very well as being just like kind of vaguely psychedelic. Right, yeah. Vaguely disorienting. It gives you the gist. See, that's the thing is it introduces the electric mayhem to you mm-hmm. without telling you anything. Yeah. And it's kind of perfect. <laughs> the scene of Dr. Teeth pouring the paint on like the glass yeah. and you're seeing it from like the other side of the glass. Uh-huh. That is maybe for me top 10 iconic shots 
in burned into my memory forever. Oh yeah, totally. Because Dr. Teeth rules so hard. He does. And it's he's just so um excited to be dumping paints. Yeah. Well, like everything. <laughs> and he's, he's just got, like, wow. He's got that incredible grin and those huge eyes. He has the most incredible Muppet energy. Yeah. He has the most Muppet energy of all Muppets. Yeah. And so I just love that. And just the fact that like they are singing in Kermit and Fozzie's faces as they're asleep. That's so that's aggressively. The thing, yes, that shot is <laughs> one of my favorite shots of any movie myself. Just just they're just like screaming at him. Yeah. And they're asleep. And they're they just, just out. Yeah, it's incredible. It gives it's, it a real dreamlike quality. It's very creepy. Yeah, it is. But very funny. Also the fact that it's completely pointless. There's no point to it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they come out of the whole thing. It's the bad guys see them. We're looking for a frog and a bear in a brown Sudabaker. And the guy says, I don't see one. I do see no, a frog I, and a bear. I'm, I'm sorry. I only see a, fr- a frog and a bear in a, in a rainbow, rainbow Sudabaker. <laughs> and that's it. And, and that's they're on it. The and they immediately again. find them. Yes. Incredible. Can we just, I think. Once again, that to me is almost insulting to the concept of a movie plot. Yeah. They're just playing so fast and loose with the cause and effect of anything. Well, and the other thing is that Doc Hopper we I guess we haven't even talked about the bad guy in this. Yeah. It's it's almost like there's so much of the movie dedicated to this, but it's so doesn't even need to be in there. There's a guy who wants to hire Kermit to uh be the mascot (laughs) for his frog leg. Uh, restaurant which kermit is rightfully disgusted oh yeah he's like this is a war crime basically (laughs) uh but the so those guys it's it's like a it actually this part feels a little bit like an like a cartoon Um, yeah like like dick dastardly or something yeah where um (laughs) you can just like you know you could just beat them to the finish line you're already ahead yeah <laughs> like in dick dastardly's case yeah it's like why are you stopping to try and trap them just yeah. go uh, <laughs> yeah. and with this it's like so they get ahead of them and they like paint a sign to have kermit on it mm-hmm. and then they go get ahead of them and they uh you know do all this other stuff they just keep getting ahead of them and they keep doing all these harebrained schemes <laughs> and it's like you can clearly just like get in front of them and block the road. I think they even know where Kermit's going. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they know he's going to a Hollywood, couple I'm times. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> the the ad was in the newspaper. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> so honestly, both like the good guys and the bad guys both stop for like big stretches of time. Oh yeah, they in stop ways at the that kind of don't make any sense. They stop for the car. It really is not necessary. Yeah, and even. It's funny because obviously the whole plot of the movie is we know that they end up fine. Yeah. Because we've already seen them at the quote unquote end. Right. When they went on to make the movie that we're watching. So we know they all make it. Yeah. And so it's like the movie is essentially just them dodging the bad guys. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in a way that it, it almost just like propels them forward, which is weird because they were already going to do that. <laughs> like They were already they don't change their plans. So. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It is, it is a weird it's the weirdest type of road movie. It really is. Yeah. Because. Yeah. I don't know. Um, It's it's good. It's a good example of a road movie. That's why I think the various things like that the the joke about the brown Sudebaker versus rainbow Sudebaker mm-hmm. I think work very well to undercut any possibility of you judging the necessary natures of the plot. Yeah, oh for sure. You know, 
just don't worry about it yep just it's <laughs> hey a movie <laughs> yep exactly <laughs> so it's it's just the beginnings of that yeah yep. totally um were there any parts that really i'm trying to think of like one ones when we were just watching it now that made you really laugh um when they're at the car dealership and they buy a car for 11.95 yeah. <laughs> you owe us a nickel yeah whatever's on the sticker that's the price <laughs> no matter what <laughs> and, so and sweetum swats a fly on it and turns it from $1,195 to $11.95 <laughs> which is such a stupid gag it's but, very dumb to explain but they but they lock but he's like locked into it and yeah. he and the guy goes along with it yeah. is the best part he's like well I can't I, say no it's I on gotta, the sticker gotta give him a free car and a nickel <laughs> Gonzo uh, just exclaiming you owe us a nickel is yeah. the best man I love Gonzo yeah you were oh man you were laughing at him too with the balloons yes uh, okay, so next part of the movie is they go to the state fair, they meet Miss Piggy, whatever, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about that in a minute, but oh, go okay. ahead, keep going. But then Gonzo gets some balloons and basically just like floats off and they have to go catch him. And he's ecstatic. And they're all worried and he's just loving it. This is the best time he's ever had Anytime in his Anytime Gonzo is almost dying, <laughs> that's when he's thriving. And Something we could all learn to live by. <laughs> yeah, I love that idea so much especially for it being a kids movie that came out in 1973 yeah just that like it's just such a great weird balance because it's not like really that dark yeah it's just but kind of he has just like a childlike wonder yeah around danger and death (laughs) yeah oh seriously and i can't think of any other character like that no i think he's it and it's great. Just and he's presumably some kind of alien. Simul- well, they well, get into get that into later, but... That's but they refer to him as a thing. Yeah. Which is funny. Or a whatever. Yeah, or a whatever. Which is <laughs> very good. Oh, but I wanted to say, um, when they get to the fair, and I feel like it's this in every single movie, and I mean, they, they really leaned on it, so it's part of the Muppets, but anytime Miss Piggy has a musical number, it just absolutely halts the action yeah. so much. Yep. It's always a drag. It's always yeah. boring. It's weird because Miss Piggy's tone is the concept of Miss Piggy is funny. Absolutely. That she's a pig, she's super vain, she's like a classic Hollywood star. Yeah. But she's a pig. Right. That's the whole bit. But I feel I don't know if they like just worked through that joke really fast. I and mean, it is kind of a one note joke. Well the other thing is that she has like insane rage issues. Yeah. Clearly. That's true. But like for this, for this thing of her and Kermit falling in love or whatever, and it's just like it's it's just a montage that has like one funny moment. Yeah. And then the rest of it's kind of like, And even that, the main joke of that is like that she's kind of the take charge. Like she wears the pants in the relationship almost. Yeah, kind of. Largely because she's like way bigger than him, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because Kermit's Kermit. Yeah, he's like this tiny, yeah, and mild-mannered everything, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I I don't always understand why they want to have that in there. Yeah. I don't think people are watching this and being like, Kermit, who cares? Once someone, once he has like a love interest, then I'm invested in Kermit not dying. Yeah. I wonder if Frank Oz really just loved performing Miss Piggy. I'll bet he did. That could be. And I think there probably is, I almost guarantee there's a contingent of people whose favorite character is Miss Piggy. Totally. I'm sure there are. And like, I, I know that, we have our favorite characters. Yeah. And but that at the same time, 
you maybe wouldn't have to be the whole movie. No. Well, right, exactly. So I don't know. There's probably something about her rounding out the cast that if she was gone, we would miss it. Yeah, I think so. I think it puts Kermit in like a weird position in a way that no other character does. Yeah. It kind of gives him some weird tensions that, that otherwise he wouldn't have. That's true. And yeah. I think that's what, you know what I mean? Like, because otherwise he would just be wrangling. Like, what's the point of him wrangling? Like, he really has to like, like these people yeah and it gives him one where it's like he's like in love like that's like like he'll put up with like the insane stuff because of that yeah and it kind of gives him not like a reason to be there i think he would be there anyway yeah but yeah it definitely does drive him somehow i don't know yeah oh i think so definitely it's weird because that is kind of miss piggy's whole jam yeah but the fact that she loves kermit so much is what gives her the blind rage to <laughs> do karate on yes, people. Yes, totally. Which I think is a very good addition yes, to the whole crew. Absolutely. So then they there's more gags. Yep. They get to for some reason Kermit and Miss Piggy have like a romantic dinner. <laughs> that gets set up. That whole thing does that seem like filler to you? Not filler, but like that's when I think you the mean movie, with the Steve Martin part or well so them going to dinner yeah and then her deciding to go take a call with her agent yes and then Kermit lamenting that she's gone but she's not actually gone yet yes she just got kidnapped yes and then he rescues her well and then they have the I hope that something better comes along which yeah. does not hold up yeah, as yeah, a yeah, song yeah. it's very weird but I and I just need of like and then she kind of like they they get saved yeah you know like she ends up saving him which is funny. Yeah. And then she kind of just leaves anyway. And then she kind of just comes back. That's right. And, and I it's forgot just, about it's yeah. weird because it's almost like a double fake out. Yeah. That just leads to a song and an action set piece, essentially. Or like a comedy slash action action. You thing. know what I think? I think that Paul Williams wrote the I hope that something better comes along. Yeah. And they just needed a place to put it. I think so too, and that's where how they came up with it. Well, and they probably wanted to give Rolf a number, and yeah, that fits the right. vibe yes. of him being the barman who plays the piano. Uh huh. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That Steve Martin sequence, by the way, is really funny. Oh, it's great. He is so <laughs> funny. It's. I mean, just him in his prime. Just, He's just being this like grouchy waiter. Yeah. Who knows everything that they're doing is dumb. And it's all, yeah. Like they're a bunch of hicks. And he, well, and he's order. like wearing the like short shorts and everything too. Yeah. So it's not like he's any better. <laughs> um, and then Mel Brooks shows up for the with the kidnapping part, which yeah. is also very. It, it turns into a Mel Brooks movie for a minute. He, I think, takes over. He has such dominant comedy yeah. energy. He takes over more than any of the other cameos. I think it, it's it's like when you put Robin Williams in your movie. Yeah. It's like, all right, this is a Robin Williams joint yep, now. Yep. Everyone else is just like here for him. Yeah. And like, it's funny because it almost doesn't really, f- well, I, I don't want to say it doesn't fit, but I think that's not the kind of thing they're usually going for. But if you're going to have, if you have the opportunity to have Mel Brooks in your movie, you're probably going to do it. Oh, absolutely. And he has Muppet energy himself. Yeah. He has, he has like, but he's a little, he's so improv that I'm sure he just had a million jokes that he was going along yeah. with, as well as all that stuff. Yeah. But you're right, he does have Muppet energy. He's a Muppet himself. He's he's He has Muppet energy in the sense that he's a guy that you could see being with the Muppets, and he would, like, play it as a straight face as if these are just other performers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He commits yeah. really hard. That's good Muppet energy. Yeah. Like, but I think he's different from the kind that we usually think of. 
because usually the person is kind of the straight man of the jokes. Yeah. And in this, he goes really wacky. He, is, he does go big, obviously. So As a German scientist, I'm sure he was having a ball. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's not bad, but it's definitely different yeah. from the norm. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of what happens after that. Like what the next sequence is after they get freed and they so they pick I her think, back up and I think the next scene oh then they break down at the side of the road and yeah then they have the, so <laughs> which is actually I think the best song in this movie which is I'm going to go back there someday yeah which is also Paul Williams's favorite song oh nice yeah so I think that song is very interesting because on one hand they are talking about their failed Hollywood dreams yeah and how they want to get there someday yep. And all that. And the friends they made along the way and all that, you know. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's within the metaphor of Gonzo wishing he could be flying again because <laughs> yeah. he has a flying-based death wish. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just misses that time when he was, like, totally untethered from the earth. Yeah. You know? Yeah, damn, and, that's true. And, like... And was basically was totally out of control. Yeah. And was like ready to crash and burn at any moment, which I think works well. Obviously, it works well as Gonzo being Gonzo. But I think it also works well as probably how a lot of these guys saw performing. Yeah. And like making the Muppet show and making Muppet stuff. Totally. In that like, from what I've seen, it was a lot of like long hours of of just throwing stuff together almost like laying down the tracks right before you drive on them yeah totally and like kind of uh very thrilling to be riding on the edge the whole time and making it work and all that yeah so i don't know it's just like a great like triple level thing to me yeah that's good and it's a good song yeah it's it's a great song and also that sequence gives you kermit talking to himself and literally there's like two kermits (laughs) yeah which is uh i don't think it's used often enough no, that's which like is a, weird because it, there's a popular meme now of Kermit talking to himself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, but that's not literally Kermit, yes, right? That's actually uh, Kermit's doppelganger. So there's a a different instance of Kermit talking to himself in a much more positive way. I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's Kermit like getting real with himself. Yeah, it's it's basically Kermit saying like I didn't tell these, I didn't promise these guys anything, and then. His in- internal self, who is now external, mm-hmm. uh, is like, yeah, you promised yourself this. I think we need more memes of this version of Kermit, me to me. Like intensely positive Kermit? Yeah. Or well, just being real? It's basically like him going to therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it felt like that a little bit. Yeah, it kind of was. It was, it was just like him like talking through the like the halfway thoughts that he has. Yeah, You know, sure. why are you thinking about that you didn't promise these people anything? Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> They believe in something. You believe in something. <laughs> yeah, that was, it's wild, man. But then they... That was definitely like the heart of the movie, pretty much. It is. That, it, it absolutely is. I think that's almost why this movie feels like a little bit, not like hit or miss, but weird in that I feel like they almost tried to find the heart of the movie and in multiple like, places. Yeah, I think you're and right. it's like the heart of the movie is ultimately not in Kermit and Miss Piggy. Yeah. No, it's, it's Kermit and him being like... What did I ever know? I all I, all I know is what I saw in movies. Yeah, and that's what I wanted. Yeah, and uh, even at the beginning when he's like, you know, like make millions of people happy. Millions of people happy. Yeah, <laughs> him just falling for like the most obvious dupe ever for, <laughs> yeah. from like yeah. a guy who wants to use him seriously. <laughs> 
but it works somehow it works well yeah and and then you know they have the final showdown which mm-hmm. it's fine doc hopper hires like a like a frog killer specifically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know if that's an homage to something or what but like he looks really weird he does I'm sure it is probably. Yeah, I wish we knew what 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 that they what were was talking going about. on there. Yeah, but um, we get to see giant animals. Yes, so <laughs> they meet Buns and Beaker and giant, and they end up scaring off. After Kermit's like, "Well, you might as well just go ahead and kill me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if what I'm saying doesn't make any sense to you. Well, then go ahead and kill me. All right, boys. Kill him. And he's like, "All right, kill him." And then, and then, animal giant animal shows up uh, in a very hilarious way. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's like a like an Evangelion, suddenly <laughs> like climbing over the top of a yeah. building. <laughs> yeah, basically Godzilla. Yeah, it's incredible. And they, you know, scare him off, and that's it. And uh, <laughs> then they make it to Hollywood and have a great scene with Chorus Leachman, where they're Chorus Leachman's allergic to animals, and they. Find, uh, conveniently find a fan to blow they just cruelly torture this lady <laughs> yes and uh they get in there and they talk to orson wells and they say i'm here for my uh, what does he say like it's not even just like i'm here to audition i want to be we want to become rich and famous uh he tells them i don't remember the exact line that kermit says um but yeah then orson wells says uh prepare the standard rich and famous contract to mr frog <laughs> and and friends and friends yeah so the ending of this movie i think and him saying that yeah is i think kind of it was for me the cherry on top of the thing that i was thinking throughout a lot of the movie okay which is this being like a prequel movie sure like with, a how did how did how did this uh media entity get here like like what were the building blocks that got them to you know like how you would have like uh like star wars has rogue one yeah yeah, or, yeah i yeah. mean sorry or like Solo. Yeah, yeah 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 and like so there's all these prequel movies that exist now in our world yeah uh prometheus hobbit prequels x-men prequels star wars star trek yeah showing how our heroes got to be the characters that we all know and love yeah and like we we always joke about how you know they're gonna do it in the dumbest way possible where like they're gonna make the han solo movie and it's all gonna be about how han solo got his vest <laughs> yeah you yeah. know uh, or, or that's i mean it's basically the pat oswalt thing of like well now you get to see him as a little kid <laughs> yeah 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 so but i think and obviously this wasn't like responding to that because no was old but i just think within as a modern person watching it, it's hilarious to watch this and have the whole movie be how did how they did all Kermit and Fozzie originally meet? Yeah. They just did. They or like how did they get all talked into going on this joining each other and being on this big team and going to Hollywood? Well, yeah. oh, they just bumped into each other and said, Hey, do you want to join me? And they're like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like half the time they didn't even ask. Like Gonzo <laughs> just crashes his car into their car and then he's just with them now. Where are we going? And like Rolf when they get back with Miss Piggy, he oh, basically yeah. says like, "Oh, hey, I'm Rolf the dog, by the way." Like almost like, <laughs> "Oh, that's right." He like, like tries to introduce, like tries to give yeah. like what his thing is, and he's like, "Ah, never." There's mind. so many scenes that are almost making fun of the idea that they're gonna bother explaining like it even matters. Yeah, you right. Know? And like, so my favorites are Miss Piggy and Kermit looking at each other from fifty yards away. Uh, this is it. Immediately in falling in love and having going through the full range of cinematic 
you know, <laughs> yeah. like, depictions of love in yep. one second. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, them getting to Orson Welles and him, the the studio head, and him just saying, "Prepare the rich and famous contract." Perfect. Done. <laughs> we did it. Like they, it's just so great that that to me that they have this TV show and they're gonna make this movie, and they what they decide to go with is a movie within a movie of showing how they all got here <laughs> but they don't even attempt a little bit to show how they got here yeah that's like true. they show literally how they drove here yeah <laughs> like as a team they just <laughs> asked <laughs> and, then, and then there's like one brief sequence at the end where they try and set up like a stage version yeah. of what they're doing <laughs> and immediately crazy larry blows up uh, the transformer and blows a hole in the ceiling and messes everything up. So first of all, it's incredible. That this is at this point a movie within a movie within a movie. Oh yeah, yeah. On some so. level. Yep. And then also that they basically blow up the set. Yeah. As like a Monty Python esque anti ending. Yeah, it's of true. just like we all got here, we started making this movie, uh, and then. Yeah, we blew up the studio, and then everybody showed up for a big number. I guess, the and then end is just and then that. Snookums burst through the screen. Oh, Sweetums, sorry, Sweetums, Sweetums burst through the screen, and you know that is a very meta end. ending where it's like it's like a triple meta ending. Yeah, wow, they really <laughs> go for it. No wonder I loved this movie so the much. The movie as a kid. within a movie within a movie. Well, I guess the top level of them in the theater just ends, and they all just talk. Yeah, but you know, which is also super entertaining. The, yeah, they the, they have like a like the oh, they roll the over the credits. They they have all of them just like talking to each other about how the movie was. Yeah, they're like, just like Scooter mingling. goes up to Sam the Eagle, and this is all like the music super loud, so you can hardly hear any of what they're saying. But I can kind of catch these like, what do you think of the movie? And uh, Sam the Eagle is not having it. He's like. <laughs> He wasn't in it. Yeah, we, and he's really <laughs> mad about like the moral content of yeah. the movie. <laughs> Man, he's good. He is really good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, you're right. That is like a, such a weird way to end a movie. It's, yeah. it's really like a non-ending. It's it's almost like because on the lowest level where that the studio blows up, it's almost like oh yeah, we couldn't figure out an ending. And then the level above that is. I mean, it shows the end when they're singing Rainbow Connection. But like, I feel like that ending is essentially. And then we made the movie that you're watching yeah, now. Yeah, it Very, almost it is like a and they all lived happily ever after kind of thing. Yeah, also because it, it, it does come to the conclusion of of what it claims to be. Yeah, you know how they all got here, but it's just funny that they bothered to make the movie within a movie within a movie. Yeah, it could have just ended with them getting the big contract. Right, totally. That's the ending, yep. really. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It, it's very adaptation in that way. Actually, a lot of things are like, I mean, adaptation. Oh, man. You're right. Because you know, they, they literally like read the script and they get to the point that you're seeing now where they're oh, reading the wow. script. Oh, uh, wow. I need to watch adaptation again and then this again. <laughs> because, ooh, boy. Maybe Charlie Kaufman also loves the Muppets. You know what? I bet he did. Who's to say? Nick Cage probably also loved the Muppets. Nick Cage has good <laughs> Muppet energy, doesn't he? Ooh, he would commit... Maybe more than anyone. Yeah, I think that'd be good. I think I want to see that. I don't know if commitment is the only thing. No. But like... We should really hash this out sometime. Yeah. Like what I, I think we were onto something with Mel Brooks having a different kind of Muppet energy than someone like Mark Hamill, you know, or yeah. whatever. What's, what, what is the energy, though? So, Mel Brooks... What do, you, what do you imagine Muppet energy is? So, that's where I think I'm mixed up in my head. Yeah. Is that... I think Mel Brooks has a version of it where he acts like a Muppet. 
he's like a, a Muppet come to life. Ah, okay. And then, That's two so different things. A different thing sure. would be how well someone interacts with the Muppets. Got it. That on makes... the level that is very satisfying yes. to see. I think you where need... they commit. Yes. Okay, so there's the difference there. I think that yeah. like you need to say like this guy's a living Muppet. Yes. <laughs> if someone's a living Muppet, you have to announce them as a living Muppet. Yeah. And if they have big Muppet energy, <laughs> they they can show up in a Muppet movie yeah. or a Muppet TV show and interact with the Muppets in a satisfying way. Yes. Like Alec Baldwin probably has good Muppet they, energy, but Tina Fey actually does not have good Muppet she energy. She has living Muppet. She's a yeah, yeah kind of kind of sometimes. But she that that's the way that she would have to go with it right. if she was involved. Whereas like like I'm just using 30 Rock because that is a living version of the Muppet show. Yes. But Jenna is is basically a living Muppet and Kenneth is too. If there was anyone within 30 Rock who was going to be the human being who is joining them, yes. it would be Alec Baldwin as Jack. Yes, I totally. Think. Yeah, I think so. Because it's not like you you can't you it's not like you have to be the straight man all the time. No. But you have to that has to be a lot of it. Somehow there is just it's just a magic thing where you have to believe that this person is interacting with the Muppets and the Muppets are real and yeah. this person is real. That's true because it's not necessarily that they just that they treat the Muppets as real. It's that they convince you. Yes, that's that's it. I think that's it right there. They convince the viewer that the Muppets are real. Yep. So Michael Caine, like ten out of ten. Yeah, maybe the best ever. Absolutely the best ever. Tim Curry, like super close behind. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think the like kid, other ones. The kid in the Muppet Treasure Island didn't nail it. Nope. Nope. I was not convinced. Nope. <laughs> um he seemed like he was he was a, too mugging too much a little bit I'd and say. he's a kid so you know yeah, kids, don't want to criticize him too hard but kids, kids just can't do it still in the same way that's they should have just not had a kid yeah yeah totally but orson wells big muppet energy yeah i was convinced oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> do you have any final thoughts we've been going for a while here yeah, i've been animal told us to go home at the end of the movie before ferris bueller like yes. 10 years before. Yeah, it, this came out in 79. But yeah, That's definitely beat Ferris Bueller to the punch. By six years at least. So just yeah. saying. <laughs> Everyone's pulling from the Muppets. <laughs> Everyone's pulling from Animal. Uh, by listening this far into the movie, you have agreed to be a big Muppet fan, hold it in some level of esteem higher than other movies. That's right. <laughs> As an, a media entity, you agree mm-hmm. that it is among the best. Yep. Um, and if not, then, you know, next episode will be something like entirely different. <laughs> I feel like it probably will. <laughs> We're an all Muppet podcast now, baby. <laughs> I feel like we could eventually do all the Muppet movies. I think eventually we will. If we do this long enough. Yeah. <laughs> season well, 10. Season, <laughs> season 10 and we'll get to the, the one where they say that Gonzo's from space. Ugh. <laughs> it'll just be you making that noise a lot of other movies minutes. to watch before we watch that one <laughs> yeah Thanks to the Artist Bedroom community for our new theme song. And if you want to check us out uh, more episodes, you can check out our feed. We've got 50-some episodes so far with a lot more coming. And you can find us on Patreon as well at patreon.com slash so much movies.